This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A great Brazilian team. Doubt, it's there. They're ahead. It's one of the biggest sporting events in the world. And today, we're giving you an inside look at the teams and playoff pictures to date. As we present Atlanta Soccer Tonight. It's okay now. The goalkeeper's beaten. And South Africa have their first goal. Listen as Jason Longshore gives you all the latest in the world of soccer. As we break down the matchups and get you insights you can only find here. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9, the game, and the Odyssey app. Thanks for hanging out with us late night on a Friday night. I'm Jason Longshore alongside Jessica Charman. And Jess, the knockout round is finally upon us. It's like a new tournament now, 16 teams battling it out we know the bracket we know what the potential matchups are in front of us and all of this starts in now less than 10 hours as the netherlands faces the united states what a way to begin the knockout rounds but i think before we move on to that we have to say what a great group stage this tournament really was i think there are a lot of upsets a lot of drama a lot of great soccer quite a few nil nils quite a few nil nil half times but still plenty of entertainment and I've loved every second of it so far. And I have a feeling things are really about to heat up as we get into the knockout rounds. Yeah, it's the first time in the 32-team World Cup format, and this is the last 32-team World Cup, that you didn't have one team, at least one team, be perfect in the group stage. Nobody won all three games. No one finished on nine points. Uh, the last two tournaments combined, seven teams did that. You have to go back to 1994 for the last time that a team or that at least one team did not go perfect. There's only been now four times in World Cup history when they've had a group stage. There are a couple tournaments that were straight knockout back in the early days. Only been four times that there hasn't been a team that's been perfect. Honestly, since 94, there's been at least two teams that have been perfect. So this is a weird tournament all the way around. 
curious to see how the knockouts flow because you're right. The games have had a lot of scoreless first halves and then fireworks in the second half. Serbia and Switzerland kind of flipped that on its head today, <laughs> but that's a whole other story. We'll get there in a minute. I'm curious because usually when we get to the knockouts, Jess, you get into a situation where managers are a little more conservative, a little cagier. You're playing maybe to extend the game as long as you can. Are we going to see teams do that even more or the reverse? Maybe teams are more comfortable now with three games under their belt and maybe they'll open things up a little bit more in the attack as chemistry started to build. I hope it's the latter. Honestly, I really hope we start to see these teams a little bit more confident in themselves, a little bit more dominant in the way they're going to set up. I think we'll still see some tentativeness. Obviously, that's the nature of the beast when it comes to being in a knockout round. You don't want to end up taking that gamble and having it thrown in your face by conceding two goals off the counterattack. But I do think what's going to be so interesting in this one is the chemistry has grown so considerably because teams didn't have the extended training camps that they're used to. They've had to use the group games to grow in themselves, to grow with their chemistry, to find each other, to get used to playing with each other again, to sort of get used to the conditions, acclimatize as well. So I'm wondering if that's why we'll see a bigger jump now, because it's such a unique World Cup in terms of the preparation that these teams have had less of than usual. If it gets more conservative, then Japan's winning the World Cup because they're the most conservative team in the whole tournament. But they've also been very exciting in those few moments when they do get forward. It's one of those tournaments. We're going to see where this goes from here. But USA Netherlands will kick off the knockout round. Argentina, Australia to follow tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Latest news when it comes to the U.S. and the Netherlands. Christian Pulisic officially cleared to play. I can't imagine he could go 120 minutes if he if he has to in this. I just can't see that happening. And you got to start thinking that way. Extra time is on the cards now. Penalties are on the cards now if it's level. We're going to see some of those in these eight round of 16 games. And the next step, and we're going to get into this deeper in the show as we talk USA Netherlands and, and things that Greg Berhalter is going to have to consider in his plan Polisic not 100%. I don't know if he could play 90. Weston McKinney averaging 69.3 minutes per match. Serginio Dest averaging 78 minutes per match. Those two players came into the tournament with small injuries, but it's kept them from playing 90 minutes. The U.S. is going to have some tough decisions to make with, you could argue, out of their maybe five most important players in this tournament, three of them are not 90 minutes fit. Yeah, it's a real concern, honestly, because you want to be able to play your best 11 for the full 90 minutes, the 420 minutes, if it gets to that point. It's going to be decision-making now about which parts of the game are you going to prioritize? Do you really want to get off to a good start and try and put the game to bed? Are you willing to take the gamble that you may have to sacrifice two, three players to the bench and see your side dropping quality towards the end of the game and invite the opposition back in? Or are you willing to take the gamble of, playing a quote-unquote weakened starting lineup so you can have the firepower off the bench. But that could come back and bite you if you aren't able to replace those players with enough ability to keep you in the game. It's a lot of big decisions that Berhalter is going to have to make. And it's unfortunate the U.S. finds themselves in this circumstance where key, key players in key positions as well. Let's note that in terms of the midfield being so important to the U.S. game, particularly against the Netherlands. It's going to be a real battle in the midfield. 
it's nervous times for the US and you also need to be mindful as well. Players want to play the full 90 minutes, but can you risk letting them if it then sacrifices further down the line if you do get through this first round knockout game? I think the Dutch might be thinking that way. I don't think the U.S. can really afford to uh, as the underdog. I think they've got to find whatever way they win this and you deal with the quarterfinal when you get to the quarterfinal. It's it's not guaranteed. It's not even expected that you get there. So you've got to play all your cards, but you can't necessarily play all your cards from the jump here. And I know our listeners are, are really intelligent soccer folks and sports fans out there you've got to understand that there's not a right or wrong answer in how you deal with it here. I mean, this is the fact three players that you need to be influential in this game. Can't give you 90 minutes. I I can't exceed. I can't see any way that they do. So that's something you just have to deal with and you're going to have to do something about it. Either start them, let them go as long as they can and then sub them or decide, Hey, I'm not going to start one. Because that's three of your five subs that you already have to start thinking about. There is no right answer to how you solve it. It's only right if it works. And that's where you're at right now if you're Greg Berhalter. For the Dutch, Louis Van Hall revealed in his media availability today that several members of their squad are battling cold or flu symptoms. And it sounds like this is going around. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some journalists have talked about this as well. And a lot of them are, are pointing to the fact that it's hot in Qatar. Um, it, it's anywhere from usually 70 to 90 something degrees, depending on day or night, whatever. But there's air conditioning everywhere in these venues and it's super cold air conditioning. <laughs> um, so people are getting sick. I mean, we all know how that goes. All of us have kind of had that sort of situation happen. So a lot of people are dealing with sore throats. A lot of people are dealing with those kind of colder flu symptoms. Um, Frankie de Jong's name has come up. Martin de Ron's name has come up as well. That's two of the midfielders for the Dutch who it's speculated could be in this group. Will it affect anything? We don't know. It'll be something to watch when you see these players on the field, Jess, but I, I'm not expecting it to be a major factor. No, I think that the fact that he didn't go out right and say too much about it says exactly what it is, that it's, you know, cold and flu symptoms, but these players most likely aren't going to let that get in the way of their World Cup dreams. We see a lot of players that are able to play through a lot of things. And I think that it may be a storyline that comes out if the Dutch don't win the game, that there were a lot of players feeling very, very unwell and they had to fight through. I think if they do win the game, that storyline may longer no longer matter. Memphis Depay should be fit enough to start. He started their last game against Qatar. I don't think he is anywhere near his normal sharpness. I think for Barcelona this year, he's played less than two full games. He's played about five different games. He's less than 180 minutes played for Barcelona in all competitions. He's played in all three games, came off the bench in the first two. He is still a dangerous player, but he's a little bit different right now. It's a little bit more of the soccer IQ as opposed to blazing speed and and sharpness. And we saw Romelu Lukaku earlier this week with sharpness being an issue. Memphis Depay is kind of in that boat, but he should be fit enough to start for them tomorrow. We're going to get deeper into this match as we go tonight. Don't worry about that. But let's talk about what happened today in the tournament. Final games in the group stage. 
Let's talk about the morning games first, Group H. It looked like Uruguay was going to go through with Portugal, already starting to think about how the Uruguayans are going to look as they, they match up with teams, and Ghana had missed another penalty against Uruguay, <laughs> the only team to miss a penalty against the same team twice in World Cup history. Ghana, I mean, it's it's crazy how much that whole thing from 2010 was in their head. Luis Suarez had a great match. He assisted on both goals for Uruguay. They're up 2-0. All's good. Not even thinking about the other game. Well, then South Korea gets a goal in stoppage time, and now they're going through instead. Yeah, wild, wild scenes. It was when they panned to the bench of Luis Suarez, and you realized that he'd got the news from yeah. the other game, the heartbreak in his eyes, and... I'm not going to lie, though, Jason. It felt like he had no hope that his team was going to score. Like, the way that his head dropped right away, it wasn't like a motivation. He was already crying. It was like he had given up hope already. So it, it was a tough one for Uruguay because I thought they had a good game today. I yeah, did. They, played I thought, well. they finally I thought, opened up a little bit. Yeah, they finally took the gamble, but it was too late, too little, too late. And as we say a lot of the times, you don't lose your position in the World Cup to advance based on game three a lot of the time. You lose it based on errors you made in game one and game two and they were just so conservative against South Korea in a game that they'll look back and a goal would have changed everything for them yeah South Korea has gotten better in this tournament we talked about teams kind of improving as they go I think Sun is a, a prime example of that because he had missed a few games with Tottenham he did not look sharp early but man that sharpness found him in stoppage time in this one just the patience to hold that up wait for the run to materialize, time it perfectly, and slip it through. Just ideal. And Huang Hee Chan got on the end of that onside, really not as close as some of the ones we've seen. And that all started just from a Portugal attacking corner. It was on the other end. And it's that counter that we've seen teams use to devastating effect. South Korea gets it. They nail it. Four of their last seven World Cup goals have been scored in the 90th minute or later. This is a team that you can't let hang around. No, you can't. And you saw the speed of transition. Sonny was back to his usual self with that burst of pace over the halfway line. The ball, though, the quality of that ball to slot it through the defense, straight into the path. The guy doesn't have to miss a beat. A lot of the time with those passes, they have to take an awkward touch or they have to stutter their run even more. It was seamless. It was the perfect goal and like you say coming straight off a Portugal attack and I've heard a lot of Portugal fans including our friend Eric Krakow were saying it was just very vanilla it was very lackluster they didn't perform the way that they need to and we mentioned with some rotation with some knowing that you're already in it can come back and affect you negatively because you've lost a lot of momentum now you've lost a lot of belief in some ways because you've gone out and you've lost a game that you should have really been winning in terms of the quality that you have on the pitch France has lost some momentum after winning their first two. Portugal has lost momentum after losing this one. Maybe Brazil has lost momentum with losing to Cameroon. Uh, Vincent Abubakar with the goal. Talk about him in just a second. <laughs> um, the biggest thing for Brazil about momentum is the growing concern about Neymar being available for the round mm -hmm. of 16 match against South Korea. Doesn't sound like that's a gimme. That ankle is not healing like they had hoped, and it's a kind of going to be a last-minute decision on if he's going to be able to play against South Korea, and he's needed for as much confidence and emotion as what he gives you on the field. 
the Brazil game, it's like the other two that we just mentioned with France and Portugal. It didn't matter for them. They played kind of like it didn't matter. They did have opportunities. Uh, Cameroon was all over the place at times. Uh, their goalkeeper, I thought he had oven mitts instead of gloves a few times because he didn't seem like he could catch anything, but he was making saves. So, hey, whatever worked. And then Abubakar gets the goal. And one of the moments of the tournament is our friend in MLS, Ismail Elfath, the referee, dapping him up as he gives him the red card because it's a second yellow taking his shirt off after the goal that ends up being the winner. I don't think Abubakar really minded and Elfath played it so perfectly. Listen, sometimes you score a goal and it means so much, you know your team's probably going out and you take the red card, don't you? It was a moment of incredible. I had to go back and watch on the highlights. I'm not going to lie. When I pulled up the result, I saw the goal. I saw the red card and I was like, oh my goodness, what happened here? And then once <laughs> I saw it, I mean, it was a good moment. And I thought yeah. the referee handled it really well. It wasn't, you know, a disrespectful red card. It was like, look, I have to do this. It's the letter of the law. Do I like the letter of the law? Do I think that it's a, a silly rule? Sometimes I do. I think it's, I think a, it's a silly action. rule. I'd like to see that wiped away. Um, Particularly you, if you're adding the time, right? One of the yeah. reasons they brought this yellow card in was because of time wasting. Yep. Well, if you're going to add the minute or whatever you're saying every celebration is worth, let the player take their shirt off. It's okay. It's part of the passion, and it kind of takes away from the really special goal celebrations that you want to have. You want players to be able to live the moment after scoring a goal. That said, with VAR, can you imagine you take your shirt off, you're all happy, and then it gets pulled back? <laughs> and some goal celebrations these days. That's the worst. Uh, the other game, Switzerland and Serbia, was wild and all over the place. Six shots in the first 10 minutes. We haven't seen anything like that. Um, 11 yellow cards in this one. These two teams do not like each other at all. The third most cards in a World Cup match ever. Um, the Swiss were better. Serbia kind of ran out of options, you know, with Mitrovic and Vlaovic not 100% in the tournament, but effective, but running out of gas. And you kind of saw that here. Vlaovic had to leave. Uh, Mitrovic just completely runs out of gas. And you, you see the flip side with Switzerland, a player who's maybe been the one who's impressed me the most that I thought was a good player. And I'm starting to think is maybe closer to an elite player is Briel Mbolo, their forward, who he works so hard and does so many things for Switzerland. I'm still not super high on the Swiss, but they're very balanced and very solid. I agree. I think that they were able to really face some adversity in this game as well with conceding goals. They were able to come back to fight. And I also thought they handled some very difficult situations with the tension, with the fighting that began. They were able to clear that away and continue to get out the result. So the Swiss will go through. South Korea goes through. Brazil and Portugal go through. We know the bracket now. But it all starts tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, USA, Netherlands. How could Greg Berhalter open up a tied game in the second half or an extra time? What options does Louis Van Hall have for the Dutch? We're going to foreshadow some of the tactics that will be on display in our next segment. Be back here in three minutes as Atlanta soccer tonight returns on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When it comes to the world of soccer, we've got you covered. Back to more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back. Atlanta Soccer Tonight live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. We're going to get the virtual chalkboard out right now. When you first started playing, Jess, when the coach would talk about formation, position, whatever, and, and kind of draw it out, what did they use? Did they have a whiteboard? Did they have the little magnets? Did they do it in the dirt? Like, how did they do it? Yeah, we had the whiteboard with the magnets, with the pens to draw the lines. We used to have cones as well. If they were really feeling fruity, they'd put the big cones down on the pitch and that was when they were mad, when they used the big cones to show you because it was that <laughs> obvious. So uh, I've had some characters as coaches. I also had coaches that made me re-watch videos time and time again. So there's been some trauma with the coaching life of Jessica Charman. I'm old school. I, I feel like my first coach probably used like a pencil and paper because we didn't have any of the fancy uh, magnets and whiteboards and any of that. Um, I might've actually like drawn X's in the dirt and arrows and stuff with your finger. I, I that I'm way old school. Hey, We're going to do the, Hey, and it's what you got to do. We're going to do the virtual chalkboard here. We're going to go through each team offensively, defensively, and then talk about what they could do to change it. I think for the U S it, it's, we kind of know what they're going to do roughly. I mean, they're pretty settled. The Dutch are not the U S I mean, if everybody's healthy, we know what the lineup will be by now. We know the way they want to play. The, and offensively, both teams really want to do something similar. They want the ball. They want to control the game with the ball. It's about control. And that can be a defensive tactic, too. But for both teams, they're going to want the ball. They're going to want to dictate the pace. And both teams in this tournament with the ball 
have done a good job of controlling their matches, even if they're not creating a ton of chances with that control. No, I've been really impressed, particularly by the US because of the quality of opponent. And that's not to blow my own trumpet as an English woman, but as I've t said time and time again, I thought the way they controlled the possession against England and dominated the game in terms of forcing England to play out of rhythm, forcing them to slow down. They did a very good job of managing the game. This is going to be a different kettle of fish against the Dutch. I think it's going to be a tougher challenge in order to try and control the game. But if they're able to do so with the quality that they have, I think they could see a lot of success. But it's going to be who's able to take that possession, to take that control of the game and really handle it at the way they want to play the match that's going to be successful in this matchup. I think in their base, the, the U.S. gets the fullbacks involved more than the Dutch get their wingbacks involved. Uh, I think the U.S. looks their best when Anthony Robinson and Sergio mm -hmm. Dest are involved in, in the attack and creating those opportunities. I think both teams transition well and both teams control possession well, but only one team's going to control it here. And it will probably be the Dutch. There is a difference in level and quality. I don't think that hurts the U.S., honestly. I, I think they are a better team than the Dutch in terms of playing off of the ball. Mm. I think the U.S. is probably a little more accustomed to playing off of the ball, so they know how to handle that. Um, they're going to be in their 4-3-3. I think the in, from an attacking perspective, the U.S. won't change really out of a 4-3-3. They will defensively if they have to see a game out. We don't really know because we haven't seen it in this tournament. They've never trailed in this tournament. They haven't had to go chase a game in this tournament, but looking back at Greg Berhalter's run, going back to qualifiers, you know, he's going to change the characteristics of the players in spots, as opposed to changing the shape entirely. He's not going to throw a second forward on exactly, but he'll play Jordan Morris in a wide position where he's going to come inside, create a little more space, be more like a second forward than a right winger where Tim way is going to stretch the field wider more. So you can change the personality with subs, but I don't see Greg Berhalter, if the team is trailing, changing the way that they want to try to play dramatically. No, which I think is a good thing, because that I think when thing. you try and change things too much, it's disruptive. You're not used to it. You're chasing a game, but then you're throwing things out of whack by trying to play your side a different way where you haven't had reps in in the same capacity. I think that you've got a lot of strength, like you said, off of the bench that can change games and offer diversity, offer different attacks, because as a defensive player in that mindset, one of the most difficult things you can face is a different style of player. That's why you see wingers switch sides sometimes because the mm -hmm. defender gets used to a player that wants to go around the outside. All of a sudden you put a player on his side that wants to cut in and take a shot and it's a thing of nightmares because you have to adjust the way you play. So I, I get that the US hasn't trailed, but I do think an interesting point would be to look at that Iran game where they knew they had to win almost like trailing a game because you knew you had to get that goal so they they've dealt with that very well and been yeah. able to get the results where they've needed to yeah i think they've got the personality to handle whatever the game throws at them we just don't know if they've got anything tactically that we haven't seen yet from greg berhalter mm -hmm. because we haven't seen it in this tournament Gio rain is the wild card obviously in the attack and, and coming off the bench that's what you want you need somebody who can impact the game from the bench and Gio Reyna can do that. He could play on the wing or he could play as a number 10. I think if you're really chasing the game and it's late and you don't have a lot of options left, 
Reyna being one of the three central midfielders is the most attacking option that Greg Berhalter can play. That would be very different than his traditional midfield, but also have a much higher reward potentially in terms of attacking. Uh, Luca De La Torre is a possibility as well. Jesus Ferreira, who we haven't seen, he can play anywhere across the front line. So there's there's options. We just haven't seen the U.S. in this position in this tournament. Defensively, we know what they're going to do, and it's the midfield that has suffocated opponents. The mm-hmm. Wales had to change up their game plan, start playing long ball. They couldn't find Gareth Bale consistently. Jude Bellingham had a bad match against the U.S. Mm-hmm. Kind of just completely shut it's down. Yeah, I mean, Harry Kane had to drop and play in the midfield because they couldn't play through the midfield. Iran, different situation, but they couldn't play through the midfield. One of the big reasons is a player who I think has been maybe the best in the tournament playing in that holding midfield, uh, Tyler Adams, the captain. Had a chance to talk to two former U.S. men's national team players who work for this club in town called Atlanta United. One of them, Brad Gazan, was raving about Tyler Adams. Absolutely. Again, you know, I when you talk about our midfielders, you, you talk about the engine of this team, right? And you talk about somebody who not only has that composure, but has that 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 fight and that um, that ability to, to be everywhere. Right. And and you, you got the feeling that when the ball was switched, next thing you know, Tyler was popping up on the left side of the field. And if the ball was switched to the right, he was popping up on, on the right side of the field and, you know, tracking back. How many times in this game did we see him track back and and put out a fire, you know, whether behind the fullback or in the back line, right? But then at the same time, getting forward and, and supporting the attacking play outside of the top of the box. So, uh, yeah, he's been fantastic for us, and, and we're going to need him to be at, our, at his best come Saturday. Yeah, he's definitely going to have to be at his best. Another player that I know you've been high on in this tournament who's going to have to be at their best is Tim Ream. Yeah. I think that defensively, everyone's going to be called on, right? I think that it's going to be a big night at the office in terms of making sure you're disciplined. I've been really impressed with the chemistry in the defensive line. I thought they've handled things very well. We know that the only goal they've conceded has been a spot kick. That doesn't happen without strong defensive performances and also that chemistry between the likes of Reem and Adams. I think when we hear Brad Guzan's comments, right, Tyler Adams, Reem, they're players that every goalkeeper wants to have in front of them because they make their lives a lot easier because they close down the ball. They prevent any opportunities. And I would be interested to see. I don't think the U.S. has given up many quality opportunities at all. I don't remember Turner making any huge saves. We've talked a lot about goalkeepers standing on their head. Turner hasn't really had to stand on his head. And a lot of that's because of the team in front of him doing such a good job breaking down the opposition attack. Yeah, Reem's been outstanding in this tournament. We weren't even sure if he was going to start. I had a chance to ask somebody who's played in that sort of role, Jonathan Spector, Atlanta United's head of international player recruitment and development. Here's Jonathan's thoughts on Tim Reem. Uh, Look, I think he's probably been underrated for several years. I mean, he has been competing in England, um, playing well in England in the Premier League and the championship for, for several years. And that's not not easy to do. Um, and I think his veteran presence has probably helped this group. Um, it's, it's obviously a very young team. But yeah, I, I agree that, that Tim has kind of been, for me, the, the linchpin in that, in that defense. Um, and he's the one that's really held it together. There's been a lot of good performances but but Tim's certainly been towards the top I think in in the U.S. squad the fact that you've been able to have 
Walker Zimmerman play two games, then Cameron Carter Vickers play a mm-hmm. game, and it all still work is down to the leadership of Tim Ream. Communication is everything. It really is so important with defensive plays and it's communication that makes it a seamless transition. You don't usually want to change your center backs. I'll tell you that. Usually you want to have the same center back pairing for as long as you can. I get the reason why Berhalter made the switch in terms of wanting a ball player uh, that's confident with the ball at his feet. But the fact, like you say, that they were able to adjust seamlessly and not concede is because they have Reem in the middle being that leader, communicating either side of him, making sure they stay compact when they need to. And uh, I've been really impressed defensively with the U.S. Like I say, the fact you've only conceded a PK is a huge thing. Now, we know the U.S. will go to a line of five if they need to. They did it against Iran, 82nd minute, plus 10 minutes of stoppage time. Felt like forever. Uh, options to do that if Zimmerman starts, Carter Vickers off the bench, vice versa, depending on who starts in the back. Aaron Long is a center back who can come into that moment as well. Um, and he's also he's got the pace to be able to play out wide if you want to have a very defensive wing back. If you're playing in that line of five or if you're going to stay in a line of four, but you want to be more defensive. Long could play as the right back in that. He's going to stay home. He's not going to bomb forward like Dest but he could handle it and give you a little bit of a, a variant there. I think in the midfield, we've seen Kellen Acosta come in and, and form more of a double pivot instead of one behind two in your triangle. It's been two behind one. Acosta will sit with Adams, take some of the pressure off. Christian Roldan, I think, is a smart player. He's been around forever. He can come on and, and honestly sit in that 10 role, but sit deeper and be more of a defensive-minded central midfielder. Luca De La Torre can do the same thing. Let's look at the other side. Let's look at the Dutch. They came into the tournament in a 3-4-1-2, according to Louis van Hall. It looks a little bit more like a 3-4-2-1 now, but it's super fluid. Uh, they're trying to find space for Cody Gakpo because he's their, their game-changing player right now. It's not Memphis Depay like we thought it might be coming in. It's Gakpo. So they're trying to create space for him. They've moved the personnel around a good bit in the midfield and in the attack to try to find a, a combination that works. They haven't found it yet. Martin De Roon is a midfielder who can sit deeper. He's the most defensive option. He played in the last match. I thought their midfield looked good in the last match with De Roon, with De Jong, and Davy Klassen. Klassen is more of a holding midfielder, but the Dutch are kind of using him in a little bit of a 10 role. He'll he'll interchange with De Jong. They, they want to hide De Jong. They mm-hmm. want to hide Gakpo. They don't want it to be easy to find them. And they do that two different ways in this kind of setup where you sit and you look at it on paper and you're like, oh, Klassen's the 10, the young sitting deeper, they'll interchange in the game. Oh, Gakpo's a forward and Klassen is the, the number 10. Well, Gakpo will drop in and have two 10s. So they'll move around and they'll make it hard to find those guys. But the the interchangeable parts for the Dutch it's good and bad. You have options, but you don't have a lot of really different options. They kind of are what they are in the attack. Yeah, it's a lot more like for like. And I think that that's where the U.S. has the advantage of having the ability to switch up the way they play based on the personnel, depending on how the game has gone. They have different options. They have different ways of hurting the Dutch, whereas the Dutch is looking for one thing. And I think that Listen, the quality they have on the pitch, you mentioned the name, you know, Frankie de Jong. If 
they can't hide him successfully, then the US has a good a good chance. And I think that the quality of the US's midfield during this tournament is going to give them a lot of hope that they're going to be able to really disrupt because they've disrupted some of the best midfielders. And I know Bellingham is young, but I think you can qualify him as one of the best up-and-coming midfielders and he was lost. If you're able to make the young ineffective, then the Netherlands are going to struggle because I would call them a bit of a one-trick pony, honestly, in terms of the quality they need to get on the pitch in order to unlock their ability. You got to break up De Jong and Nathan Ake because that's the one that they'll try to do. Um, they'll try to knock the ball around, knock the ball around, dump it to the left to Ake in the back, and then have him find that ball that splits lines to De Jong, who's going to flare over to the left. A lot of things the Dutch do with their possession is diversionary. It's It's about playing a ball into a tight space to then bounce it wide really quick into open space. It's all about creating space. That's the Dutch way. One thing they can do if things aren't going their way, and we haven't seen it yet, but they have this option, and Louis van Hall over the years has shown the willingness to go to this option if that's just where the game takes him. Go with the big number nine. They've got a couple on the bench in Luke de Jong and Wout Weghorst. Big target number nines and get direct. Virgil van Dyke can play the long ball as well as anybody in the world. You've got good options out wide with Dumfries, with Daly Blend, who can put in crosses. You can go down that road of more route one football if you have to. We haven't seen it yet in this tournament, but they have that in their locker if they have to. Now, defensively, this has been a good defensive team in this tournament. They mm -hmm. have conceded the same level of expected goals as the U.S. has but they've kind of gotten there a little bit differently. The U.S. has had to defend deep at times. The Dutch have defended with the ball, and that's what's made them so good. Yeah, it has. <laughs> they know how to play the ball around. When you've got a player like Virgil van Dijk in your, mid, uh, in your defensive line, rather, you're always going to have that level of composure around you. We talked about Ream being that linchpin. Van Dijk's always going to have that quality in terms of giving your defensive side discipline and being able to put in a game-changing challenge. He's one of the best in this World Cup. And I think having him there is really helping protect the Dutch along with the rest of the defenders around him. They do have the option of Matthias Dillick coming in as a, a more traditional centre-back and moving Yuri and Timber into that wide position or into a holding midfield position. They could go there if they need to see the game out. All right, start counting your juice boxes. We're going to take a look at all the numbers for these games on Saturday. And we're also going to tell you how the U.S. can defeat the Netherlands. What are the keys? We're going to give them to you in three minutes on Atlanta soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now we're back with more of our look at all of today's matches on Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Let's go! On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back. Final segment, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, getting you ready for the United States and the Netherlands round of 16 at the 2022 World Cup. I'm Jason Longshore, joined by Jessica Charman. And Jess, we haven't even talked about the other game yet. Argentina and Australia, that's at 2 o'clock. Let's start there and we jump into the juice boxes. Uh, I could only imagine. (laughs) Yeah, our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook do not have much faith in the Socceroos. They are a plus 860 to advance. Uh, Argentina is a minus 1450 to advance. Um, Wow. Yeah, you're not going to make much on uh, throwing juice boxes at Argentina to advance, according to our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Real quick, because, you know, we, we've we've talked about how Australia has been a surprise and we know what they're going to do. They're going to sit deep. They're going to defend deep. They're going to try to hold on as long as possible and look for those counters. Do you feel like Argentina has worked out maybe the kinks a little bit and they should be able to handle that here? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I think okay. that we've still seen some issues with the way they play. I don't think they've been able to be a hundred percent for a full 90 minutes. I still think they've had moments in games where they haven't been able to control a game where they should be dominant as often as maybe they would like with the quality that they have. But I have a feeling that this is the game and it, it really does suck for the Socceroos. But I wonder if this is the game as they get into the knockout round that they're able to put together a complete 90. It looks like they're really understanding their best starting lineup. Uh, Enzo's coming into the lineup and looking brilliant and they just look like they have more quality on the field and players that are feeling very confident after getting over their tough first game of the of the tournament. And I think that for the Socceroos, it could be a very, very, very tough afternoon. And I hope that they're able to show themselves and some quality and have pride in their performance because the last thing you want after such an emphatic, emotional way of getting through into the tournament's knockout rounds is to be disappointed with the way that you play. I think Australia will make it difficult for a while. I think it'll flow like some of the games we've seen in this tournament with big teams where the first 30 minutes is a little tricky. The last 15 of the first half is where Argentina needs to to bust it open. I think they, they have to start Julian Alvarez up top. He's been better in this tournament than Altaro Martinez. And Enzo Fernandez needs to keep his starting spot. And they need to play really without fear because the one thing about their their center backs and their six they're going to stay home pretty well and i think they'll be able to handle australia's potential counter because argentina doesn't push quite as high as, as some of the teams we've seen australia catch i think they're going to be a little bit safer in those moments and nicolas otamendi is having a great tournament for argentina in the back and i i think he'll be a big part of trying to maintain that that shape and that composure in those moments and not let Matthew Leckie get in behind and, and hurt them like they ended up hurting Denmark. Let's go to the U.S.-Netherlands odds. We're going to throw a bunch of numbers at you because there's a bunch of different ways this can go depending on how squirrely you are. If you think the Dutch are going to advance and you don't care how, it's minus 230. 
If you think the U.S. is going to advance and you don't care how, it's plus 182. If you want to get a little more specific, if you think the Dutch are going to win in extra time, it's plus 850. If you think the U.S. is going to win in extra time, that one really worries me and FanDuel Sportsbook agrees. Plus 1,700 if you think the U.S. is going to win it in extra time. Penalties, it's kind of a toss-up if it goes to penalties according to FanDuel Sportsbook. Plus 850 for the Dutch plus 950 for the U.S. If you think the U.S. is going to get a goal and you can figure out who it's going to be, you're going to get a good return on your juice boxes because FanDuel Sportsbook does not offer really good numbers or they, they give you good numbers. They don't have favored numbers for U.S. goal scorers, and they're not really keeping up with some of these things. Christian Pulisic is plus 490 if you think he's going to play and get a goal. Um I kind of like the idea of something like Weston McKinney, maybe surprising because he's been really good and started to get a little bit closer. He had that one, maybe the best opportunity the U.S. has created, plus a thousand for Weston McKinney if you feel like he might get on the end of something. So, how can the U.S. win this match? Here's my keys to how they can win it. I think number one, they have to make the first half count. They have been very good in the first 45 in yeah. every game they've played. Um, in first half minutes across the tournament, they are fifth out of 32 teams in chances created in the first half. They're 10th in XG created in the first half. They're sixth in goals in the first half because they've got two. Shows you how a lot of teams aren't scoring in the first half. They haven't conceded in the first half. They've only allowed one shot on goal in the first half in three games. That's all really good. They have to make that count, especially knowing that you've got key players who are not going to be able to go 90. And I would expect that they start this game. I don't think Greg Berhalter will sit Pulisic, McKinney, Dest. If they can give him at least 60, I think they start. I would agree. I don't think you can take the gamble of waiting until the second half or the 60th minute to bring in that quality. I think you just have to start the game with them and see how long they can go. You also never know. They may get that second wind, as we mentioned, and be able to impress you with how much longer they can go, depending on how the style of the game develops. Uh, I think that in the first half, they've got to, like you say, make the chances count. We saw against England a couple of chances go amiss where mm -hmm. they probably should have been able to get a cleaner connection or hit the target. If you're going to get those opportunities early on in this game, you need to make sure you finish them because Obviously, a goal would change everything in terms of the way the Netherlands then have to play. And if you can get a goal, if you can get two goals, then you can afford, if the likes of Weston McKinney, if the likes of Pulisic start to run out of legs or start feeling their injuries a little more, you can afford to take them out more comfortably with a 2-0 lead than you can in a 0-0 game. Yeah, it's easier to solve the issue that way. The, the options you have on the bench, if you're Greg Berhalter, it's just much simpler, much more clear what you're going to do if you're protecting a lead when those guys can't continue than if you're even or have to go chase it gotta make the first half count have to have a plan for maintaining control when those guys can't continue because that's been an issue you look at those same stats that we just talked about for the first half you look at them for the second half 29th out of 32 teams in chances created in second half play 30th in xg one of only four teams not to score in the second half of a game in the first three. 
you're going to have to figure out, okay, I know at this point, these three guys aren't going to be able to be with me in the 90th minute. How can I maintain control of the match when that happens? It's not an easy answer. It's not easy. It's not going to be simple for Greg Berhalter to solve. One thing that they have to do, and and feels like first half they've played good soccer, second half they've been gritty, they've showed a lot of heart, they've fought hard. When we talked to Jonathan Spector earlier today, kind of talked a little bit about that balance between the two. I agree. I I think we've gotten away from a little bit of that togetherness, that grit that we've had in the past, and and that's that's us kind of developing as a country, right, as a soccer nation. and and trying to play an attractive style of football. And now it seems like that's all coming together. Um, So I think that process has been really good. Um, And it's been nice to see the culmination of developing another country in terms of, um, you know, playing that nice, attractive style of football and that togetherness that so many of the previous U.S. national teams have had. Um, And now that we're we're finding that, um, I guess, balance, it's it's uh we're finding that success as a result of it go back to the u.s teams of the the 90s and they fought really hard and they ran and ran and ran and ran and ran they didn't play the best of soccer typically now this team's playing good soccer but they do have that fight you just have to maintain control there's a middle ground and they have to find that tomorrow in a round of 16 second half it's vital it it really is vital to be able to continue the performance that you've been able to put in in the first 45 in to the second half and that second win has to come from somewhere I wonder if maybe it helps a little bit knowing that it's a knockout game there's a slightly different mentality that goes into it when you know that you're going home based on this result and I just think that like you said there's going to be some real decisions to be made with the personnel and the changes that you're going to have to make depending on how long the likes of Des, the likes of McKinney can go in this game. And I think that that's why it's so vital, as we said earlier, to make sure, if possible, you've already put that game to dead because the biggest concern as well is overtime, extra time. That's a lot of minutes that you're going to have to play if your key starters have to come off before that time. And you've had more fighting to do in your three games than the Dutch have had. So they're going to be a little bit fresher when you get to that point. You're going to need somebody to positively impact the game off the bench. And and this isn't a Gio Reyna rant. It could be, (laughs) depending on the situation, because they haven't had to chase a game yet late in it. So you haven't had to have Reyna be that person off the bench. If you have to chase a game, he's your answer. They brought him in against England when it was scoreless. He didn't give you much. If you're losing in the final 30 here, Gio Reyna's got to play that, and you got to give him that opportunity to try to change things up. Um, But it doesn't have to be that. That's not the only way you can positively impact a match off the bench. Uh, If you're going to lose McKinney or Musa, we saw Musa really at the the end of the tank in that last game. I think Brandon Aronson playing in that role is vital because of the energy he brings. I think he's a better substitution option there than in a wing position where he's good, but you don't have anybody who can really come close to matching the energy level and quality of McKinney or Musa outside of Brendan Aronson. 
think Kellen Acosta is a different kind of player. I think Luca De La Torre, Christian Roldan, they're different kind of players. Aronson plays centrally for Leeds. I would earmark him to play centrally in this match. It's the closest like for like, right? And a I lot of times so. if it's working, you want to keep it in there. I think it's also important to know that depending on how the game goes, it might not be attacking subs that need to be made. I yep. was going crazy with the criticisms of bringing on Walker Zimmerman to defend in a game that you needed to defend a result. Yeah. It's very important at times to learn when it's time to see out a result and to learn what personnel is going to be most impactful to do that. And that's why we saw Walker Zimmerman coming in to head every single ball clear that came his direction. So I think where the U.S. has a really good advantage here is the strengths that they have on the bench. I think it is actually a very deep squad in terms of options that offer you something different and allow you to adjust, whether it's chasing a game or seeing out a game, which I know you Americans would love to have that decision to make. Yeah, would love to be in that position. Uh, you got to get there by not getting rope-a-doped. I don't know if you're you're familiar with that scenario, Jess, uh, going back to Muhammad Ali boxing. But he, in, a, in a big fight with him when he was later in his career, it's a veteran maneuver where he was able to take punishment that wasn't going to hurt him in that fight to where he would lose it, but it would wear the other guy out. They basically punch themselves out. The Dutch are really good at that because they can keep the control. They can make you chase. They can make you burn your energy out and then punish you. Go back to their game against Senegal where they did that and they won it. You can't burn yourself out early. You got to think about the long haul here. And that's concerning for the U.S. in terms of exhaustion, just based on, as we mentioned, the fatigue that was already setting into those players in game three because they have been in battles. You look at the three games they played and they were so closely contended in terms of the Wales game going to the last seconds, in terms of England being a complete physical warfare between the two. And then the last game, obviously, against Iran, a very exhausting game as well there's going to be fatigue in those legs already they have had time to recover they are of course professional athletes but nonetheless if you're going into this one with a few knocks with a little bit of fatigue the last thing you want to do is work harder not smarter they've got to be smart with when they're closing down they've got to be smart with when they're making those recoveries and i think that's going to be very important because you can't afford to have your personnel exhausted and have to stoop to the bench too early because you're trying to make those adjustments at the right time and not have them forced early on running out of time quick prediction from you usa netherlands what happens let's go with a 2-1 comeback victory for the Oof. u.s Oof. japan-esque two goals in very quick succession Whew. wow i'm not i don't know if i'm ready to handle that i'm gonna have to get some more sleep to be ready for that one um, I, I think it's going to be very, very tight. I think these two teams approach the game the same way. I think the Dutch will have more control of it. I do think Gio Reyna, Gio Reyna will have a very important role to play because he needs to play on the wing. Aronson needs to be held for a central midfield option. That's a tough bet to make because Brendan Aronson might be one of your best players. I think he is your best player, not in the starting lineup, but you're going to have to hold him to replace McKinney, in my opinion. Reina can replace Pulisic if you're starting to think about like for likes and you're just going to have to figure out the rest of it as you go. I think it's going to go to extra time. I oh. think the, 
I think the U.S. is going to find a way because I'm not convinced by this Dutch team. I think you're going to get in behind Daily Blend. I think you're going to get in there and create an opportunity. Tim Weah creating it for Brendan Aronson. 1-0 USA is my prediction. Whew, we'll be back tomorrow night to talk about it. About 11.45 or so, we're on after the Big Ten Championship. You'll have plenty of time to process it or take a nap after getting up early for this one. Make sure you subscribe to the Off the Woodwork podcast folder on the Odyssey app or on your favorite podcatcher. You can always listen to the show on demand, hear all of the bonus interviews as well. Thanks for hanging out with us. Go, go USA, and adios, everybody. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 